Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Adoption is one of my favorite topics. I love the gift that a mother gives to a family wanting a child and the security for that child. But if you think our guest today had that smooth ride, I want you to think again. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host, and I'm so blessed to have our guest. Monica Kelsey is with us, and she happens to be a paramedic firewoman. That's pretty cool. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, Monica, your story is so worth the share. Thank you for joining me. You've written a book titled, Blessed to Have Been Abandoned, the Story of the Baby Box Lady. The title itself absolutely grabs you. (laughs) I'd like to start from the beginning so our listener can grasp the beauty and the sadness and the strength and the love of all the characters in your book. And by the way, it reads like a fictional book, but it's your life that we're reading about. So, Monica, begin to share your story, would you? Absolutely. I grew up always knowing that I was adopted. It was just kind of something that was just normal for us. My older sister was also adopted. And then I have a younger sister that they had biologically. So there was always three of us growing up, two of us adopted, but we were never made to feel any different. I was their daughter. And so growing up, it was normal. But the only thing that my parents were told when they adopted me was that my biological parents were young, in love, and couldn't care for me, so they placed me for adoption. And so growing up, I always had this this idea of a fairy tale family waiting for me when I would reunite with them later in life. And so I actually graduated high school. I joined the United States military, spent eight years defending my country, and then married the love of my life and decided it was time for me to start searching. And so I, I actually found my biological mother when I was 37 years old. And the day that I met her literally became the best day and the worst day of my life because that's when I learned the tragedy that actually occurred. And for you to kind of understand this, I have to take you back all the way to August of 1972 when a 17-year-old girl was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And this, of course, was in 1972 when abortion was illegal in our country, even in the cases of rape and incest. And so... My biological mother, she pressed charges against the man that had raped her, and and he was arrested, and he was charged. And then, if that wasn't the worst of it, six weeks later, she finds out she's pregnant. And she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy, and she gave birth in April of 1973 and and abandoned her child two hours after that child was born, and, and that child was me. So learning those facts later in life was probably better for me because it gave me I already had the maturity, and, and so it gave me the, the opportunity to use my wisdom of age to help me get through the disappointment that had come my way. And so I literally um, kind of fell into a depression and just did not want this to be my life. I didn't want to be known as the daughter of a rapist. And so I had to find my worth. Writing this book really kind of allowed me to pen my thoughts my feelings, and my story of being so blessed. And so when I named the book, Blessed to Have Been Abandoned, I truly feel today that I would have never had the gifts that I was given 
if I wasn't abandoned. So I do believe that I was blessed to have been abandoned. And that is why I, why I named the book the way I did. But it does kind of raise some eyebrows when you see the title. And, and I've even had people say, how could you possibly feel that you were blessed? And it's like, look at my life. Look where I am. Look at my parents, my adoptive parents and my family. I'm truly blessed. I do think that there is a, a turn on that thought of blessed to have been abandoned. It actually rings spiritually as well. You know, if you Absolutely. if you have found yourself loving this world or or following things that really have never made you happy, you have been blessed if you're abandoned by those and that the reality is that there is one God that is there for you waiting. And you're not really abandoned, even if you feel that you're abandoned. So your story, wow. <laughs> when you spent time with your birth mom, how did that story unwind? Did she just share with you that she had been raped and she couldn't handle it, and so she left you? You know, I, I was getting to know her. I was sitting in her living room holding my husband's hand. My husband was with me the inevitable question came up, you know, who is my biological father? Because at this point, we had not discussed this yet. We were just kind of trying to get to know each other. And so, you know, that, that question comes up, well, who is my biological father? You know, growing up, I was told that they were together and they loved each other and, and that they placed me for adoption and together. And, and so as I'm asking her these questions, she actually got up out of the living room and walked away from me. I was looking at my husband going, what did I just say? Like, what is going on? And so she went back to her, uh, I'm assuming it was her bedroom or some other room. And, and she came out and she sat back down in the same chair that she had gotten up out of. And she had this blue folder that was just tattered and torn. You could tell it was so aged. And she pulled out a police report from 1972 and handed it to me. And, and at the, at the beginning, I was like, what does this have to do with me? You know, I, I was so naive. She started telling me things and I was like, this is so sad for you. I'm so sorry for you. And I could not grasp the fact that not only was she telling me her story, she was telling me my story. And so finally, when it kind of hit me like a, a, a rock, I, I just felt so defeated, like just so worthless. And after I left her house that day, I got in my car with my husband and he's sitting in the driver's seat of our Jeep and he's just sitting there staring at me. And I'm like, what, why are you staring at me for, for, you know, it was like, he was just totally quiet. It was like, he was trying to take it all in because he was hearing the same things I was hearing, but I was not registering it and he was registering it. And he's like, are you Okay. And I'm like, of course I'm okay. Why, why wouldn't I be okay? And, and he's like, did you just not listen to what she said? And so, you know, I really had to grasp the fact that I, I wasn't getting away from this, that I had to walk into this and figure out how I was going to move forward. And truly faith is what you have to wrap your, your hands around because, you know, as you were saying earlier, there's one person that will never abandon you. And that's where I had to turn is to the one person that I knew would never leave me and would never abandon me. And that is Christ. And so I turned to my faith. I turned to my parents. I turned to my husband 
it, it took me a while. It, it was probably six months to a year before I truly accepted the fact that this was my life. And, and then the question came up was, well, what are we going to do with it? We have this information now. You know, I mean, do we just be quiet and not tell anyone? Or you can stand up and be the voice for those who can't. Right. And that's what we chose to do. You have a section where you say, uh, why, with a question mark, why me, why now, why not now? And I think that those are good questions, how they're random. They show great confusion and frustration, a sense of being lost. It also requires us to find answers to that. Talk about with me on what you were thinking when you were putting those words in front of your reader. Well, I wanted people to, to feel what I was feeling. I wanted people to understand that I was just feeling rejected. And, and what did I do to deserve this? And why is this happening in my life? Why isn't this happening to somebody else? I didn't want to be the person who told people that my biological father's a rapist. I, I didn't want to be that person. And so the questions, of course, why, why me, why now? Why am I finding out at 37? Well, what is significant about 37? And it all comes back to the maturity level of a 37-year-old versus a 17-year-old finding this out. I don't think I would have handled it well at 17, 18, 19, 20. I, I would not have. But at 37, I was mature enough to go back to my roots, to my basics. And your husband was there. Your husband was with you. That That's so powerful, too. He was yeah. there by your side. He heard what you heard. And I love that he didn't start the car and back out. He waited to just look at you and say, are you okay? Did you understand what you heard? That's a very sweet man. Yeah, I, I married up. Completely, <laughs> I married up. <laughs> I'm right there with you, girl. <laughs> So you talk in your book about the statements that I've heard many times. I'm strongly against abortion, except in cases of rape. A woman should not have to carry that horrible experience for nine months and then give birth. I've heard that over and over and over as I've worked in pregnancy centers. Talk to me about that. Talk to our listener about the reality of what that is that they're saying. I grew up you know, a Christian and pro-life, and, and but I'd never really truly dug into why I was pro-life. I would always look at the shell of everything. I wouldn't dig deep into it. I would just kind of peel the shell just a little bit and kind of base my interests and, and my opinions off of that. And growing up, I was like, oh my gosh, a woman that has been just brutally attacked and raped should never be forced to endure nine months of carrying a child that they know they don't want and then to be reminded every day, I mean, what, why would we do that to this woman? And then, of course, I meet my birth mom, and now I'm standing face-to-face -face with the reality that I've been making the exception for my life all along, saying that it was okay to kill a child like me. I started to peel that shell away and started to really dig into what truly means to be a pro-life advocate in this country who is being the voice for the voiceless. And the one thing that I kept going back to was the fact that I kept focusing on the mother. I kept focusing on her needs and her wants and her hurt. I was kind of like pushing the child aside. And so I started to understand after peeling the shell that this woman, it didn't matter if she had an abortion or not. It wasn't going to change anything that has already happened. She is still going to have to heal emotionally. She is still going to have to heal physically. She is still going to have to heal spiritually. 
and mentally. And killing her child isn't changing that. It is not. It is adding more trauma to an already delicate situation. And once I kind of dug into that and truly learned that I wasn't helping her at all, I was hurting her more by advocating for her to kill her own child. And I think that sometimes, too, when people are, I'm pro-life except, they, they don't realize what you're doing is you're telling that woman to kill her child. I am not the child of a rapist. I am the child of a woman that was one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. You know, I'm not his child. I'm her child. And so I had to truly kind of figure that out for myself. But now, you know, when I speak nationally and internationally, I touch on this because I, I've been there. I know what you're thinking. I know how you feel. I know you're putting everything into this woman's hurt and you're forgetting that there's a life that is hanging in the balance that could one day change the world. And so that truly is what we need to do is we need to peel the shell and really get to the, the heart of why you would say that. Our guest today is Monica Kelsey, and she's really got a story. We don't want to miss the other half of it. And so we will be right back on Choose Life Radio. Choose Life Radio believes that life is a sacred gift from God and should be treated as such from conception to natural death. Our purpose is to share in-depth conversations with persons who have a direct connection to the life issue. These conversations encourage, inspire, and shine the light of God's amazing grace on a lost and hurting world. Your gift today, whatever the size, will help us continue to expand the reach of these life-affirming conversations. You can give generously online by visiting chooseliferadio.com. Just click the Donate button at the top of the page, or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 366-22, Canton, Ohio, 44735. That address is also posted at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Your gift helps keep this life-affirming message on the radio. Now let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and our guest today is Monica Kelsey. She's got a very, very strong story of life. And if you've missed any of the first half, I just recommend you go back to our website. It's chooseliferadio.com, an easy place to go and not just hear her story, but all of the podcasts that we have recorded. And I ask you also to consider helping us becoming a partner in this ministry But in the meantime, I just welcome you back, listener, and I'm so blessed that you are going to get a chance to hear our guest, Monica Kelsey, talk more about the situation that she found herself in and found out that she was actually not lovingly created by two people who were in love with each other and just too young, but that she actually was conceived in a rape. The most selfless gift a mother can give— is her child, and she gave me freely with no reservations. I want you to maybe just unpack that statement out of your book so our listener can understand what that selflessness is. You know, um, adoption is, it unleashes the possibilities for so many things to happen, but it all starts with a mother who, whose heart is breaking, who's devastated. She is entrusting another mother to care for her child. And basically, she says, I want what's best for my child, and it's not me. And that is so selfless. I mean, we have so many people that, that would 
not look at what's best for the child and try to parent knowing that the best thing for that child would probably be to place for adoption. And, and so a mother who does freely place for adoption truly is one of the most selfless people that there ever is. My birth mom did that freely. She knew all along that she wasn't going to care for me. And she kept me safe, kept me healthy. And at the end of the day, I was so blessed to have been adopted by two amazing parents that had been praying for a child. It truly is a blessing to be adopted by parents that love you, but also adopted from a mother that did everything she could to give you a better life. You have a a line in your book where your mother is getting that phone call, and it's about a child who's been, you know, left and not cared for, and would you be interested? And her statement was, bring our daughter to us. I love that statement because it's already ownership. It's already, I am the parent. I care about that child. Bring her here. Let me take care of her. Boy, that's a powerful statement from your mom. My mom is one of the reasons why I am who I am today. She's very strong-willed. She's very, uh, I'm going to tell you like it is. And I think for me to be able to do what I do today, I needed that. I needed a strong mother. I needed a strong father. And that's exactly what I was given. Wow. Well, there was another hurdle for you when you found out that Sandy, your birth mother, never really actually placed you for adoption. Instead, she left you at a hospital as an abandoned baby with no notes, no food, no nothing, just left you. Can you tell me now about the safe haven law and why I want so many people to understand how that's something that's available to you and you never have to ever abandon a child or throw a child in a a bin? My heart just breaks when I think of someone throwing a baby into a dumpster. It is just not possible to understand when you know the value of a life and the, the creation that God has made there. Absolutely. The safe haven law has been around for the last 20 years, so it was not there in 1973. Today, uh, women and and men of this country can walk into any hospital or fire station and hand their newborn child to a worker there and turn around and walk away, no questions asked. And then, you know, I came up with the safe haven baby box, which is taking the safe haven law one step further for women who don't want to face someone when they walk into these facilities. We hear from women all over the country that walk into fire stations or hospitals and and bless the first responders and the, the first line of defense for these moms, but they don't do this normally on a regular basis. So they have to kind of go back to their protocols and their policies and say, okay, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And so sometimes they'll keep that mother there, even though the law says she can walk away at any time, they might not know that. And so some of these moms just don't feel comfortable walking in anymore. And so I designed a box, and, and I know your, your listeners are going to be like, really, Monica, a box? <laughs> this is an electronically monitored box. This box is heated and it's cooled. It locks on the outside. Basically, we cut a hole in the side of a firehouse or a hospital, and we slide the box through. So the outside of the baby box is on the outside of the building, and the inside of the baby box is on the inside of the building. So this is basically just a way for a mother to put her baby through a window in a firehouse, but not face anyone. And the baby box actually calls 911 on its own. Mom doesn't have to do anything. All she has to do is open the door, place her child in this. It's a bassinet. It's a medical bassinet. 
and then shut the door. The door locks. Average time for babies in our boxes is two minutes, two minutes that these babies are in our boxes because the alarms are so quick. And even if these, the fire department is out on a fire and nobody's at that firehouse, which we've had happen, the box still calls 911. So 911 gets the call and sends somebody back to the fire station. Uh, the last baby that we had that was placed in our box that no one was at the facility, the baby was still picked up in four minutes, 20 seconds. And so you think of those times and you think that baby would have been thrown in a dumpster with no alarms on a dumpster and no heating or cooling element in a dumpster. That baby would have been there for hours. And so four minutes doesn't seem too long when you're thinking of either a box or a dumpster. The safe haven law in this country, anywhere, a woman can walk in and, and surrender her newborn child, no questions asked. And it, it undoubtedly is one of the most selfless things a mother can do because throwing your child in a dumpster probably is going to result in death of that child and prosecution of that mother. By the way, you have a story in your book about uh, jumping from a plane in South Africa, <laughs> and that's how you <laughs> noticed the baby box uh, a pastor there in Cape Town. Tell me a little bit about the craziness of who you are. You are just a person who will run into a fire. Let's talk a little bit about who you are. You know, I've spent eight years in the military, and my, my dad always he raised me to kind of be the tomboy. He didn't have a son. His son passed away a couple of days after birth, and that's why they adopted me and my older sister. So I became the boy that my dad always wanted. So I was the tomboy. We were always at the ball field. I was always in the back of his truck. That was just my job. And so it was only fitting for me to be the only military member. That's where I got my love for firefighting was actually in the military. I was stationed aboard a ship, and I joined the fire department and absolutely loved it. And so then I get out and I become a firefighter and a medic, which, you know, people think is crazy. Everybody else is running out of a building. We're running in. And so when I went to Cape Town, South Africa with Pam Stenzel, who's a, a huge national speaker, and um, we just happened to be driving by, and we had this person that was driving us around. We happened to be driving by this place that said parasailing. <laughs> and we're like, wait, 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 stop. We, I'm like, parasailing, like off a mountain, like seriously? And and the person that was driving us, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, we got to go do this. And, and Pam's like, no, I'm not doing this. And I'm like, I'm doing this. So I signed up. I got my gear on. And the first time we went running down this mountain to jump off, it failed. We tripped and a, a whole lot of mess was, was out of that one. And then the second time we run and we jump off this cliff and we're literally, you can go to YouTube and watch the video because we have the GoPro going as, as I'm in the air jumping off this cliff. But in the middle of this flight, I look back and I'm like, I missed a question. <laughs> I never asked how I was getting back up to my friend <laughs> in a third world country. Like, um, that was important. <laughs> and so, um, and I say this in the book, literally, we landed and they threw me in this van with nine big guys. Of course, I'm the smallest person there. I had to sit on this guy's lap, which was completely uncomfortable. And I was just like, as because they could have taken me anywhere. I would have not known I was so gullible. And then they took me back up to my friends. And, and we laughed to this day because I just jumped off the cliff having no idea where I was landing having no idea how I was getting back to my friends. It's just like, that was so not me, but it was in the moment, and I just completely enjoyed it. But when you were in South Africa, you saw a baby box. Is that correct? Yeah. I actually was at the only church in Cape Town, South Africa, 
but they call it a baby safe there. Oh. And and I was so intrigued by it. I was like, what is this and what is it used for? And they said women come here at night and place their unwanted children in them so that they don't have to abandon them in unsafe places. And I was so intrigued because I was a firefighter. I knew that babies being abandoned was a thing. I just didn't realize that there were boxes out there. So I came back to the United States and pitched the idea and started doing research and built a box, changed legislation, and then launched the very first baby box at my firehouse in Woodburn, Indiana in April of 2016. Well, Monica, Kelsey, you we owe you a lot because you went to protect us and, and be in the service. We also know you're a bit crazy because you'll jump off of cliffs <laughs> and hope that you'll find a way to get back to where you were. <laughs> but we exactly. love that you have written that book, Blessed to Have Been Abandoned, and the story of the baby box lady. That's a great read. And it also delves into so much more than we've been able to talk about today. I'm really grateful for what you've done. The baby box lady. I like that. (laughs) Well, thank you. To God be the glory for all we've accomplished. That's very true. And we thank you, Monica, for a wild ride today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you, listener, for joining us today. And I just want to share again the website, which is chooseliferadio.com, and encourage you to like it and share it with others. Consider this ministry called Choose Life Radio as possibly a place where you might invest financially as well. As a nonprofit, we are grateful for your gifts. And you can give them online at chooseliferadio.com, or you can send a check to P.O. Box 36622. Yes, that's a post office box. 36622 Canton, Ohio, 44735. I'm Jill Taylor, looking forward to meeting you, special listener, again next week right here on Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.